Welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast and happy Tuesday. I hope that your week is off to a good start and that you are easing into the week. Over the weekend, the weather was so nice in Chicago. So we spent some time at the beach as a family having our last little hurrah. And now that we are officially in fall, the weather is cooling off. So I had to soak up all the sun I could get. Speaking of fall, we are basically in the last week of September. Well, we are in the last week of September and basically the last 90 days of 2020, y'all. Can you believe it? Despite all the craziness that has been brought to us in 2020, I can't believe that this year is almost over. I'm already getting ready for 2021, but really over these last few months, I personally will be focusing on bringing some of those lingering goals that I have still sitting around to fruition. If this is your first time here, my name is Nicole Roan and I am your host. Thank you for joining the crew and welcome to the safe space where we talk openly and honestly about how to create balance between your personal and professional life while managing all the hats that comes with working, having a significant other, as well as being a mom. You are in good company with sister friends who have similar struggles and here we talk about actionable steps that reduce overwhelm and help you get inflow. If you haven't checked out the first five or so episodes, be sure to go back and learn about the five pillars that this community uses to create the flow you need to show up in excellence in all areas of your life. All right. Since we are in a heart flow series and this is National Self-Care Month, I figured I would share with you what I'm currently working on in this pillar. For me, I am literally increasing my heart flow and working on keeping my heart healthy through exercise. I recently joined this boot camp that I go to three times a week and I do boxing and strength training and it is so dope. This is my third week going and it's still fresh and my body is adjusting, but I can literally feel the difference in my blood flow. Secondly, I'm working on my relationship with my children and adding more tools to my parenting toolbox. I am a mom to a 17-year-old daughter who is in her senior year in high school. Her name is Amaya, as well as a five-year-old son named Liam who is in kindergarten. COVID has been both a blessing and a curse in some instances, if I'm really being honest, because we've all been home at the same time. Keep in mind that I have been in corporate all of their lives, so this has been a huge mommy adjustment for me and for them. This has probably been the most time we've spent with each other ever. And I'm not ashamed to say that I didn't know how to be with them 24-7. And I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way because many of my friends and family members have expressed the same thing. It has been a bit of a struggle for me. And now that we're back into school, we're readjusting again. And I'm happy to say that it's going a little bit better because my daughter is doing virtual and our son is at a private kindergarten. So I said all of that to say this. There are no other relationships on the planet that pull on my heartstrings and impact my life more than my children. And in this episode, we are talking all about how your relationship with your children impacts your heart flow and the ability to create balance between your personal and professional life. So jumping right in, I share often that I had my daughter when I was 19. 
When I found out I was pregnant, I was in my second year of college at UW Parkside in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I didn't know what I was going to do with the baby because I was still a baby. My mindset at the time was everything happens for a reason, so I did what I knew best. I kept going. Being so young, though, I stayed in school with really great intentions, but I learned very quickly that being pregnant took a whole lot of energy that I wasn't used to my body needing. And what most people don't know is that by December of that year, so I guess it was the end of that semester, I didn't actually drop out of school. I was kicked out of school because my goals or my grades had slipped and I was on academic probation. I moved back home with my dad to Madison, but soon after, I ended up going to Chicago because I wanted to be with my mom and Amaya's dad. So here I am, 19 by this time, kicked out of school, pregnant, and unemployed. My life was literally in shambles. I was terrified. I was devastated because none of this was in any of the plans I'd concocted, and I still had no idea how I was supposed to take care of a baby. The only thing that kept me going, though, was my love for her. So very early on, I felt that tug on my heartstrings from my child. And it's always been something that I've used in various stages of my life to center me on decisions that I make. What I didn't share is that when she was just two months old, I became a single mother and had to figure everything out on my own. I'm sharing all of this background because I want to paint the picture for you of how I use my love for my daughter to pull myself together and make a life for us. I also need to share that there was a lot I was feeling mentally and emotionally going through all of that. I was embarrassed and ashamed for getting pregnant out of wedlock at 18 and then being kicked out of college. And I was angry at her dad for not being there to support us like he promised. And then I was having to do the parenting, you know, the work of two parents. Because of everything that I had going on and how I was feeling mentally and emotionally, for the longest time, how I parented was based on the shame I felt early on for bringing her into this world unprepared. And I constantly let guilt guide me because she didn't have her dad, which made me feel like I had to always go above and beyond. Plus, she too was impacted by witnessing me being in an abusive relationship And honestly, I had her in daycare from sunup to sundown just so that I could support us. And the cherry on top was that while my daughter's ability to pull on my heartstrings has motivated me to be a superwoman, it also has put me in the mom guilt zone plenty of times, which has played a big role in my own ability to flow and create balance. So who else has parented out of guilt and ran themselves ragged knowing that you were tired, didn't have the money, or it was already planned for something else, but you bought your kid whatever it was anyway. Or maybe there was a time where you just didn't feel like doing whatever it was, but that guilt made you get up. Yep, me too, love. It wasn't until recently that I realized why I was parenting like this, and I had to get my mind right. So from a heart flow and heartstrings perspective, at times I was allowing myself to be played like a piano. So today we are going to talk all about what mom guilt is, what it looks like, and how to kick it to the curb or at least manage and deal with it in a healthy way so that you can create the balance and capacity you need as an individual. Okay, so have you ever heard of mom guilt? 
I knew that I'd experienced it, but I didn't know it was a real thing until talking with my mom and other women that I'd worked with. In general, mom guilt is defined as a feeling you have as a parent that you aren't doing enough, that you're not doing the right things, or that you're making decisions that will somehow mess your kids up in the long run. These feelings can last for a short stint or they can be more long term, which is what I was referring to earlier in my own experience and parenting style. Did you know that in a recent study conducted in the UK, it was determined that about 87% of all mothers experience mom guilt at some point and that 21% of moms struggle with this feeling of mom guilt most or all of the time? And can you imagine what that number's like in the U.S. with us being the most overworked country in the world? It's pretty darn high, okay? But let me tell you something. Parenting does not come with an instruction manual. So you're left to your own devices to figure out how to be a parent and be a person at the same time. And as moms, we are uniquely and immediately put on double duty Because not only are we the incubator for the baby for nine months, but we also are the ones that have to take off work to actually, I don't know, have the baby. And then if you are nursing as a mom, you're responsible for nursing the baby. And then once you've gotten the hang of that, you have to go back to work after 12 weeks like nothing has happened. There are so many studies that show that mom guilt really does start during pregnancy and then it creeps in when it's time to go back to work. So if it's left unchecked, it can develop into much more deeper issues, which I will touch on shortly. So that brings us to the question I get asked all the time. Do you have mom guilt as a working mom? And if so, how do you deal with it? Well, the answer to that question is yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I do experience mom guilt and I have to talk myself out of it most of the time, literally. And this is tricky when you have kids that know how to pile on to that guilt and use it against you. So I want to share with you a few strategies or tools that I use to work through it either in the moment or right afterwards. So the first thing you have to do is recognize it. When you feel yourself feeling guilty, check out the thought that comes before the feeling. You will hear me say over and over that your thoughts are what drive your feelings actions, and behaviors. So paying attention to what you're thinking is going to do more justice for you than anything. And I know that sounds crazy if you've never done it before, but yes, I am telling you to think about what you're thinking. You have to get your thoughts in order and be able to call a thing a thing. And that's just what mom guilt is. It's a thing. You have to learn how to remind yourself that What you are thinking and feeling when this comes up is probably based on either some unrealistic standard you set for yourself or it's coming from what you learned from others around you about what parenting should look like. You have to give yourself grace and space. So ma'am, there's no need to should all over yourself, okay? For example, my mom stayed home with us, so... This was etched in my brain, and I believe that this is what I should have done too. Because of that belief, I was constantly beating myself up, and I remember feeling like you should be able to stay home because your mom did, or you shouldn't have to take your child to daycare. Good moms watch their own kids. 
And the list goes on and on. In reality, my mom did work, but her and my dad had their schedules figured out. And at the same time, as my brother says, what does that have to do with the price of rice in China? Exactly. Absolutely nothing. What worked for my parents had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on in my life as a parent at the moment. So I had to stop comparing and worked on getting my thoughts in order. Once I realized that I was putting all this unnecessary pressure on myself simply because of what I perceived as what a good mom was, I was able to better combat the mom guilt by reminding myself of what was really going on. Now, the second thing you can do is really to, I don't know any other way to say this, but accept that your kids are going to be disappointed. This was and still is a tough one for me as a mom. We all want our children to be happy and not feel pain or sadness, but that's literally impossible. At some point, your child will be disappointed, whether that's by you telling them no or a friend deciding that they don't want to play or hang out. They will learn that sometimes we don't always get what we want and things don't always go our way. And that is okay. Disappointment is a natural part of life, no matter who you are or how much money you have. And you have to remember that as a parent, you are preparing your child to go out to the world. And that means helping them learn how to bounce back from no and disappointments. I personally tend to call them character and resilience building activities. And they're honestly a natural flow and part of our lives. You know more than anybody that you can't have the good without the bad or sunshine without rain. Wait, that's a song, right? (laughs) Joy and pain. You got sunshine and rain. Pump it up, pump it up. Okay, I quit, I quit. (laughs) But seriously, what I'm getting at is that both experiences or situations are needed for their own reasons and to keep things balanced. So the next time you feel like you need to say yes to your child to avoid them feeling bad or hurting their feelings, remind yourself that you are robbing them of an opportunity to build resilience and not preparing them for what the real world is like. That sounds harsh, but it's the truth. So the third way you can combat mom guilt is by setting and modeling boundaries and practicing self-care. That sounds counterintuitive, huh? And I know that this may sound weird to say you need to set boundaries with your own child, because if you grew up like me, all my parents had to do was look at me or get a certain tone in their voice, and I already knew what time it was. These kids right here, though, they are a whole different kind of breed. And that means that traditional, yes, I'm air quoting, traditional forms of discipline that I grew up with are no longer allowed and considered illegal. And I don't know if it's just me, but kids now have a different sense of entitlement. I don't know if it's the suburbs or what, but both the five and 17 year old around here act as if me and my husband owe them something. I was literally just telling my sister over the weekend that I hear myself sounding like our dad more and more now and saying, I'm sorry, did you think this was a debate? (laughs) 
Now, because I used to spend so much time debating or providing unnecessary explanations to my kids, my balance was all messed up and my mom guilt was higher than my arms can reach above my head. And I'm five, two and a half. Okay. I spent more time and energy trying to get the younger one dressed and out of the house each morning than I did on my own hair and makeup. And with the teenager, I found myself repeating myself more to her than I did to the five-year-old. I realized I was letting these smaller-than-me humans walk over me, and I had to put some boundaries in place with both of them. So for the boy, this looked like me setting a timer for him to do his morning routine. That included brushing his teeth, getting dressed, cleaning up, all of those things. If he beat the timer, he received a sticker for that specific task on his sticker chart, which led to a bigger prize like a donut or ice cream for breakfast, something outrageous. If he didn't beat the timer, the consequences was that he wouldn't end up being able to bring a toy to school or he would lose TV when he got home. And it was similar for my teenage daughter, but hers was a little easier because it mostly revolved around taking her phone, which if you, you know, have kids that have a phone, that pretty much solves everything. (laughs) But the point being, I had to put boundaries around what I was willing to tolerate and then stick to them. I also had had to walk the talk and model what I was preaching which is where practicing self-care comes in. I let my family know that once a month, I take a weekend for myself to be by myself and recharge. I make it very clear that they shouldn't make any appointments that need my involvement or expect me to be available at all during that weekend because it's my time and I will not be at their beck and call. All emergencies need to go through their dad or 911, and we can talk about it on Sunday afternoon when I get home. And I stick to it. Is it easy for me? No, because I feel like I need to be in the know about everything as if I'm the only person that can get things done. And that's just not true. Taking that time away does two things for me, though. Number one, It reminds me that life can and does go on without my presence and that they figure it out. That in and of itself squashes all the stories I've made up in my head about not being able to take a break because they need me or that I should feel guilty because I could or should spend time with them. There I go, shooting all over myself. Nope, you can't give from an empty cup. And when you do, you stay depleted And you stay in this cycle of non-stop mom guilt. So you got to cut it out. The second thing that it reminds me of is that taking time away teaches my daughter that it's normal for her to take time, right? So it normalizes taking time for yourself. I never saw my mom do this. So it was foreign to me at first, but I'm leading by doing not only for her, but also for my son and for my husband. Now, I do encourage him to take a weekend for himself to recharge and do all of that, and he very rarely does. But then I also help Liam know that when I'm away at this time, he gets to have his dad and his sister all to himself. So in essence, I'm teaching them how to balance 
and ingraining balance and self-care into the fibers of their being. Kids do what they see, not what you say. So what are they seeing you do? Getting back to the ways that you can combat or manage mom guilt, I have number four. That is really getting to the root. And I talked about this a bit earlier in my own experiences, and I urge you to do the same thing. You will have to dig deep and find out where these thoughts and feelings are coming from. And that only comes from self-reflection. It's not sexy work. It's not fun work, but it's necessary work. In order for you to really deal with this stuff, you have to understand where it's coming from and why it keeps bubbling to the top. Oftentimes, it's rooted in what you saw or sometimes what you didn't see. And in my case, a lot of my mom guilt came from my own disappointment and shame and getting pregnant at 18. It took me until I was well into my 30s to realize I was still walking around with all that baggage, mostly because I kept running from it. I didn't want to open a door that I tried so hard to close, and I didn't want to feel anything close to how I felt at 18. But it never, ever, ever went away. And it doesn't go away just because you don't acknowledge or accept feelings. For me, it manifested not only in my parenting, but it also showed up in my self-esteem and my self-confidence. It showed up in my relationships, my friendships, and my boundaries and my values. I need you to take with you today that you cannot fix what you don't face and that knowing is only half of the battle. Once you know, what are you going to do about it? And how will your actions reflect based on this discovery? Will you keep allowing yourself to get swept away by the river of mom guilt every time you go to work or hang out with friends or just sit still? Or will you call a thing a thing, pull it up by the root and replace it with some pretty flowers? You have a choice. Okay, and last but not least, if you've tried strategies one through four and you're still struggling, please seek help. Sis, there is no shame in seeking help. And we as women especially have to throw that whole mindset out the window along with any of the other unhelpful beliefs that we've been attached to. Prolonged or constant mom guilt has been linked to postpartum, depression, and severe anxiety, which all impact your major life functions. So the longer you wait to get the help you need, the longer you and the ones you love suffer. And your children in particular, they will do what they see you do well into adulthood unless they see you do different. Now you want them to ask you for help when they need it, right? So what makes you exempt from following that same guidance? I'm just wondering, just want to know. Okay. (laughs) I've shared that oftentimes, especially when I didn't love myself enough, my love for my daughter is what pushed me. So if you have to start there, that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. Let the love for them fuel the fire you need to get you the help you need so you can be a better you. Being the best version of you increases your capacity and allows you to make better decisions. Rational decisions, by the way, not those that are rooted in guilt or shame. And it helps you to be there to help your children grow into responsible adults. If you need help and you want to talk through it, 
I am seriously a message away, okay? I'm super active and responsive on both Instagram and Facebook. So just know you're not alone. I'm here to talk through it. I'm not saying that I need to coach you or do any of that, but just really, just reach out to me if you want to talk through it. I'm here. That's what I do. That's what I'm here for, okay? Now, I normally end on a high note, and I know that this is super heavy, but it's even more important as we head into the holiday season. Self-care has to be the priority over everything else in your life. And that's honestly the real key to creating balance between your family and your career. You have to be number one and understanding your relationship with your children and how it impacts your heart flow, both physically and emotionally, really is a great place to start. Now, I am not perfect. And I will tell you in a minute, I am a work in progress. So know that I'm right there with you. Everybody I know will tell you in a heartbeat how this boy Liam has me wrapped around his finger and all he has to do is say, Mommy, I just want to hug or I just want to (laughs) snuggle. And then Amaya, the 17-year-old, all she has to do is look some kind of way. And I'm all over it. Like, what's wrong? What's going on? But what I've been practicing recently... It's putting what I need at the helm of it all because I can't give from an empty cup either. So what that means is that if I have to give Liam a hug for the fifth time and tell him to go to sleep and walk away, I do it. And if I have to tell Miss Amaya, no, I'm unwinding for bed and I can't drop you off at a party, I do. Does it sit well with them? And do I expect them to smile and be joyous about it? No, not at all but I do it because my needs are just as important so I can show up and be the mom they need me to be. It's literally a balancing act, ladies. With that, I hope that this episode has helped shed some light on mom guilt and how to manage it a bit better. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and rate it and leave a review because it really does help me, okay? And of course, make sure you share this with women you know need to hear it. You can be their breath of fresh air and hope. So pass it on to someone who you know needs to hear it. I also invite you to connect with me in social media and tell me what stood out to you today and what are you taking away and how are you going to apply it? I really do want to hear from you. Seriously, I'm at Nicole underscore Roan on IG and Nicole Roan on Facebook. Me knowing that I'm helping you or someone you know is what fuels my fire. So don't be shy. Tell me how this is helping you, okay? Now, as for next week, we will be in week three of the Heart Flow series and we will be talking all about your other half. Yep. Your boo thing, your homie lover friend, your husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend, whatever it is that you call them. And we're going to talk about how that relationship impacts your heart flow. I will also be kicking off Flow Fridays in the next week or so where I'll be going live on Facebook or Instagram. I haven't really decided which one yet, but I will be talking all about flow. So make sure you join me and subscribe to my mailing list at NicoleRone.com so you can stay up to date on what I'm doing. I pray that you have a magnificent rest of the week. And as always, I look forward to continuing to help you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. Talk to you next week.